episode number 204 of the Emotionally Equipped podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new to me, just so that you know who you're listening to, I am the author of the books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. These books are based on two self-help tools I created that support you in getting unstuck and getting clear so you can live deliberately. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. And now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So this month as a community, we are focusing on the word trust. And I don't know about you, but I have been practicing being trusting in many different areas of my life this month. Last week, I had to have a difficult conversation with someone, and I trusted that we would be able to get through that difficult conversation maturely, and we did, and it was amazing. And I not only acknowledged the other person for showing up to the conversation being brave and authentic, I acknowledged the tools that we used, the clear way and the unstuck method, to guide us through that conversation. I seriously believe that without those tools, I am not sure that that conversation would have gone as smoothly and as positively as it did. I also went away this past weekend with a group of friends, and throughout the weekend, I found myself practicing to trust myself, like trusting that I could stick with my commitments to myself regarding going to bed at a certain hour, while my friends maybe chose to stay awake longer than I did, or eating only a certain amount of food while my friends perhaps chose to eat more than I did and more frequently throughout the weekend. And just in general, trusting to be myself and not have to give in or act a certain way just because I was with a group. And sometimes it was hard and awkward, but most of the time it was wonderful and joyful. And again, I was able to have that kind of experience because I am emotionally equipped, which means I am emotionally empowered. Okay, so what I wanted to share with you today is this concept of breaking traditions. And I am being trusting that the message that I want to share with you is going to be received the way that I'm trying to send it. But of course, I'm not responsible for how each of you hears or perceives my message and your reactions to it. And I'm only responsible for me and what it is I choose to say and share with you. So I wasn't even planning on doing this episode on breaking traditions. But what happened was a friend of mine came over today to discuss planning the upcoming holiday of Passover together because we're doing it together as families. And it was during that conversation that I said, I'm going to do a podcast episode about that this week. So before I share my thoughts, let's just take a second and look at the word tradition. According to Google, tradition is the transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to generation. So it's the transmission of customs or beliefs. There were other definitions offered, but I think this one suits the podcast episode pretty well. A custom or belief that is passed down from one generation to the next If I were to ask you right now to share with me one family tradition that you have, 
I'm a guess it wouldn't be so difficult for you to name a bunch off the top of your head. Traditions don't necessarily have to be religious, by the way, right? Like growing up, I remember my parents would go out every Saturday night and they would hire a babysitter for me and my siblings and they would order us pizza. That was a great tradition I remember as a kid. I also have a good friend who has a macaroni in the bathtub tradition that she does with her kids. I forget what the occasion is for, but I do know that she has that tradition and that her kids love that. In my house now, we have a tradition of eating Ben and Jerry's ice cream on our kids' birthdays. We don't buy that ice cream any other time of the year, so it's really a special treat when their birthdays come around. Some people have kept traditions that have been passed down in their lineage literally for generations, including me, right? There's prayers that I say that I know have been passed down for thousands of years, and those prayers make sense to me and they're meaningful to me. But there are also traditions that have been passed down to me that don't always make so much sense. And sometimes I find myself wondering, why am I keeping these traditions? Like, just because we did this in my house growing up doesn't mean I need to continue doing the same tradition now. Or just because my community created a tradition, it doesn't mean that I have to like or agree with it or even do it with them. Or even a national tradition. Like take, for instance, Mother's Day or Father's Day, right? Those are pretty important traditions in the American culture. But here in Israel, where I live, where not everyone has two parents and some kids have parents of the same gender, there is no longer a Mother's Day or a Father's Day, but rather there's a new tradition where only one day of the year is celebrated and it's called Parents' Day. While Israel did have the traditional Mother's Day and Father's Day, they actually broke that tradition and created something new and more meaningful for their people. And I happen to think that takes a lot of bravery. I don't think it's easy to break traditions. I think when you break a tradition, it raises a lot of emotions, not necessarily only for you, but for the people around you who are used to the tradition, right? But the question is, at what cost do you keep holding on to traditions for the sake of just holding on to traditions, even when they make no sense to you or they have no relevance to you? So let me give you an example from the conversation I had with my friend today. My friend's family is going to be joining us on Saturday night for the Passover Seder. The Seder, for those of you who don't know, is a ritual, and it involves a retelling of the story of the liberation of the Israelites from slavery in ancient Egypt. It is the most commonly celebrated Jewish ritual that exists. The custom includes telling the story, discussing the story, drinking four cups of wine or grape juice, eating matzah, partaking of symbolic foods, and reclining in celebration of freedom. I have beautiful memories of the seders from my childhood, the meeting of the extended family, the eating of the special foods that we only eat once a year, the game where we search for the hidden piece of matzah at the end of the meal, and of course, all of the singing that takes place at the end. I have wonderful memories of the Seder itself. I don't really have any memories at all of the actual dinner, the actual meal. You see, the Seder is really broken up into two parts. The part that you do before you eat the meal, 
and then the part that takes place after the meal. And growing up, we didn't really focus on the after the meal part much at all. And like I said, I don't have special memories of the dinner food itself. What I do remember most is the preparation for the Seder, the excitement of the family coming together, the sitting together as a family, and eating the special moods pre-dinner. And so my friend came over and we started to discuss how we were going to lead the Seder for our families and how we were going to set up the room and the tables and how we were going to make it fun and meaningful as possible. And something we spoke about and agreed upon was this. What usually happens is that early on in the Seder, both of us created actually traditions in the past few years on our own, that when you get to the part of the Seder where you're invited to eat what's called karpas, which is usually a green vegetable, we actually turned that part of the Seder into like the first course meal. So whereas I grew up, that part of the Seder, we would just dip a small piece of parsley in salt water to remember the bitterness of slavery. In the last few years, my family has really expanded upon what we do at this part of the Seder because don't forget the Seder only starts when the sun goes down. So it's already late and the kids are kind of tired and they're definitely hungry. And so rather than forcing our kids to sit through a long experience totally hungry, both of us, in our own way, in our own traditions, created this new tradition where we put out a lot of veggies and dips and potato chips and french fries and really just allowed the members of the table to munch on the vegetables and enjoy themselves. And if my parents or grandparents were to come to my Seder, it would almost be unrecognizable at this point. Because, again, this is not a tradition that they had in their family. And by the way, something else we do differently than how I was raised is for the Seder itself, we actually sit in the family room. We sit on the sofa or sit on cushions on the floor. And we do that in a very relaxed and kind of laid back setting. And only when we're done with that first part, do we go over to the dining room to eat the meal. When I grew up, we did the whole Seder at the same place where we had the meal and the seders were kind of long, and I always remember feeling kind of antsy in my seat and not always so comfortable sitting for such a long time. And so we changed things up in my family. Now, up until now, the couple of traditions that I broke and then recreated weren't really a big deal, mostly because by the time that we moved to Israel, my kids were still young, and they didn't really have memories of my parents' seder. So what they know now is really what they know from this house that they are growing up in. And so today when my friend came over and we spoke about the Seder and who was going to buy what and what everything was going to look like, we also spoke about and agreed how no one is usually hungry when it comes to the actual meal, because by that point we had already eaten the vegetables and the dips and the matzah and the spreads and the egg and the wine and the juice. And we both agreed we didn't really need to make a big deal, even though both of us were raised on having a big meal at the Seder. And I have to say, while part of me was telling me that was the right thing to do for my family and for her family, another part of me was feeling guilty for not passing on the tradition of having a big meal. And I realized rationally that makes no sense to feel guilty 
And yet I was stuck on feeling guilty, like someone was going to be upset with me if we didn't have a big meal. I actually think my husband's going to be fine with this, as he's usually one of the people to complain that there's too much food. And the same thing actually with my mother-in-law. And so literally I had nothing to fear, and yet I still found myself stuck in fear because I wouldn't be transmitting the custom my parents passed on to me or the belief, right, that we are supposed to have a big meal. And that's the thing with getting unstuck. First, you need to allow yourself to feel that uncomfortable emotion, right? It's not comfortable feeling guilty, but you allow yourself to feel it knowing that that's the worst thing that can happen, right? That you're going to feel a difficult emotion. And then you uncover why you are feeling that emotion, because I believe I'm supposed to do it this way, because I believe that's the right way, because I believe I have to. I personally don't agree that I have to keep traditions just because they were passed down to me. Now, I'm not saying to break traditions for the sake of breaking traditions. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, if anything, I tend to be a traditionalist by nature. But what I am saying is, if it doesn't make sense to you, if it goes against your values, if you have another tradition that you want to create that makes more sense to you or to your family, why not create it? What is stopping you from doing so? And so I encourage you to take a moment and reflect upon this. What kind of tradition has been passed down to you that you don't like or you don't agree with or you don't want to continue? This could be a tradition that was passed down by your parents or your grandparents, but it also could be a tradition that you created on your own, knowingly or unknowingly. You may have a tradition of eating oatmeal every single morning, and now that tradition doesn't really work for you. Or maybe you have a tradition of eating meat, and that doesn't speak to you anymore. Or maybe you have a tradition of eating donuts every Saturday morning, and that's not working for you either. All of us have lots of traditions in our lives, both religious and non-religious, and I invite you to consider the traditions that you have in your life that either you created or that were passed down to you. Some of them you probably love and you want to hold on to forever, but perhaps there are others that you'd rather not continue. And breaking the tradition may even impact other people and it may bring up difficult emotions. And creating a new tradition may also bring up difficult emotions for you or other people. But where can you trust that you can get through breaking an old tradition if you want to? And where can you trust that you can create a new one? Again, I'm not saying break a tradition for the sake of breaking a tradition, but I am encouraging you to open your eyes and open your heart and really be mindful of the traditions that you do have and that you do want to keep and the reasons for it. And to stay open and trusting to creating new ones if that should speak to you at any time. Because if we're just holding on to traditions for the sake of holding on to traditions, where is the meaning in that experience for us personally? And if the meaning is lost, why are we continuing with it? Can you get unstuck from performing traditions just for the sake of performing them? Do you believe in creating your own? 
So this Saturday night, my family and my friend's family, we're going to join together. We're going to do the first part of the Seder. <laughs> then we're going to go over to the dining room table, have some soup, and then have some dessert. <laughs> and then we're going to go back and finish the Seder. And it's going to be new for my family. I think it's going to be new for her family. And we're going to get through it. And quite possibly, that might be the new tradition for our family for years to come. I'd love to hear your thoughts on my personal story, but also on yours. Visit me over on Instagram at Shiragura to share your thoughts with me. Okay, my dear friends, thank you so much for choosing to be with me today. Wishing you a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, I look forward to getting emotionally equipped with you. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the Emotionally Equipped for Life podcast. If you'd like to continue this conversation, join me over on Instagram at Shira Gura. I look forward to engaging with you over there. See you next week.